Oh, God, I praise you. Lord, I love you tonight. Lord, I love you, God. I love you. Give us a hunger and a thirst for you, Lord. Gather our hearts together this night, God. Lord, into the mind of your spirit, God, the unity of your spirit, the unity of your faith, God. I praise you, O oh Lord, and again, I honor you, Lord. God, I honor you, Lord Jesus. I honor you, God. I feel you working in our spirits. Oh, this is a divine, holy presence, God. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, oh, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let him work in your spirit right now. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, God, I hunger and thirst after your righteousness, Jesus. Oh, I hunger and thirst after your righteousness, Lord. I want your righteousness, Jesus. Oh, holy, holy, Lord, holy, Lord, holy, God, holy. Oh, let us enter into thy presence, oh God. Clothe us with your righteousness, Lord. Clothe us with thy righteousness, oh God. Oh, just open yourself up to him. I'm telling you, there's something happening in the spirit right now. It might not be what we've seen in the past. I know it's not. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, Tear it down, Lord. Tear down the walls, God. Tear down the walls, God, that prevent us from receiving from you, O oh Lord. Oh, tear them down. Go back in our lives, God, if there's fresh walls, God, or walls that have been up a long time, God, go in there and tear them down tonight, Lord. Tear them down tonight, Lord, that there's a free flow of your spirit, God. <coughs> oh, hallelujah, Lord. I feel the subtlety of your spirit, Lord. Oh, Mondays, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lift your heart to him. 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 Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We magnify your holy name. God, we magnify your holy name. God, I feel the settledness of your spirit coming in. God, I feel the strength of your spirit. God, I feel you strengthening us. God, in our inner man, God, I feel you pouring into us. God, I feel you pouring into us tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. I feel peace. 
I feel your peace, not as the world gives, but your peace, God, I feel it. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel the victory. I feel the victor. I feel the victor. I feel the conqueror. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel him rising up in my spirit right now. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. He who never liveth to intercede for us and make intercession for us has stood in the gap for us again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that you made us victor and not a victim. Oh, hallelujah, God. I thank you, Lord, that you made us victors in you. Oh, hallelujah, you made us conquerors in you. (coughs) You made us more than conquerors. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, hallelujah. My word, hallelujah. Well, I know he did it in me, hallelujah. I hope somebody else tapped in. Hallelujah. Oh, my word, hallelujah. I thank God that I know the devil is a liar, that he is a thief, and he is a robber, and he comes to steal and kill and destroy, and every opposing force is of him. But Christ in us is greater than that. We, everyone, struggle in our day-to-day lives. Every one of us has struggles. And the enemy comes in, comes in with those struggles and manifests himself. And he brings pressure. Because he's mean like that. <laughs> he's just mean. There's nothing good in the devil. He's mean. And he picks on us. We're his target. And I smile because I know I got the repeller. I got the one that makes those things bounce right. I got a shield of faith to quench those fiery darts of the enemy. All it takes is one thought to trigger a damn break of pressure in your life. I mean, that's the reality. At least that's my reality sometimes. I'll put it that way. But I thank God for Him raising up a standard by His Spirit. He gives us instruction in His Word that if we seek Him first, we seek first His righteousness, His righteousness, all these things, Sister Susie, are added unto us. All of them. All of them. Man, that doesn't leave out anything. That doesn't leave out my health. That doesn't leave out my family. That doesn't leave out my life in any way, no area, my finances, my whatevers, any of it. He cares about all of it. He, he does. He's manifested to us. I know every one of us in here. And so sometimes we just have to redirect our focus and say, I seek you first. I seek you first. It's not going to do me any good to worry about any of this other stuff. If he doesn't give me a divine answer, I'm going to be just kind of winging it on myself. So I may as well seek him first. And then let, if I'm just going to wing it, then I may as well seek him first. And when I get up off my knees, make my decision, whatever decision is there, and hope it was influenced by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Can I pray for you, Brother Donald? Hallelujah. Loose his mind right now. Hallelujah. Satan, I drive you back.
You old lying demon. You work him so hard, you're a lying force out of hell. God, you lose his mind right now. In Jesus' name, God, I want a mind of understanding and a mind of clarity. Every thought and every care of this day and this week. Satan, you're a liar. He has not missed out and he will not miss what God has for him. Hallelujah. He'll just double up and triple up tonight. You're a liar. You have no force strong enough. Come on, come on, come on, press a minute. Come on, come on, press a minute. I'm telling you, God's got something extra for us here. Well, maybe I don't want to say extra, but he's got something for us tonight that the enemy has stood up to oppose. Hallelujah. It's not coming from an individual it's coming from a force of satan that has tried to oppose us hallelujah but we stand together the bible says if any two agree is touching any one thing he'll do it and we agree together there's more of two of us and we withstand you satan hallelujah god i fight for every member of this church god i stand and i fight for every member of this church god i fight And I stand in the gap and I oppose you, Satan. I oppose you, Satan, in Jesus' name. The Lord rebuke thee. The Lord rebuke thee, Satan.
things we thought we put down, things we thought we dealt with years ago, and we did handle them the best that we could. But sometimes they come back. And when they do, it's time to take them back to the Lord. There's another level of healing in that. God's talking to us tonight. God's talking to us. We are big, we are soldiers for the Lord, and we soldier on and we do the best that we can. But then He brings, and He does bring healing, but then He brings us, when He brings it back again, is another level of healing that comes. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of that. So many times I speak for myself. I like a situation to just be done and over. I just want to handle it and move on. But, you know, that's not always how it works because I don't want to think about it anymore. It's too hurtful. I want to just deal with the hurt. Wham, wham, help me, Jesus. Okay, put a Band-Aid and let's go. But it doesn't because it just doesn't work like that. And he doesn't want it to. If we aren't a free, we have to uh, be a free-flowing vessel of His Spirit. And when we put the walls and the, the, when there's those scar tissue, those things in there that hinder the flow of the Spirit, sometimes He's got to just break them loose again so that His Spirit can flow some more through us. And I don't like it when He brings things back to me that I thought I already handled. I thought I already handled and he'll bring it back to me, and I have to get real with him, and I have to say, that still hurts, and I'm not there yet. But his grace, Melissa, is always sufficient. Always. 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 Always sufficient. Don't be afraid of it. Don't, there's nothing in our lives we have to be afraid of. I can only speak to the things in my life, but I know for sure that the Word of God is true. And there's no reason for us to have fear. I might not have walked where you are, but Jesus knows exactly where you are. And he identifies with everything that you feel. One of the biggest lies the enemy tried to play on me for years was nobody cares. That'd be like my, that's like my crack. You know, everybody has their addiction. For me, that was like, that was like a, I could just have a pity party like nobody's business. I could just go down this road, it was bad, and, it, and the Lord let me see, it cost me. It went into depression, lots of bad things happened in my life. But I just, for whatever weird sadistic reason, I got something out of it to say nobody cares. And I could just feel good about feeling bad, if that makes sense. That's what depression will do to you. It's a, it's a drug. I mean, that's, the, you know, but I say that, I said that jokingly rather, you know, when I said that's like crack to me, that statement, but I will tell you, God told me once he delivered me from depression, I asked him, how did I get bound? So I didn't understand. How did I get bound? Oh my, and pastor will be coming out. Y'all don't panic. He's going to come, but I, I can't, I got to go with what I'm feeling here by his spirit. And I asked him how I got bound. I thought, you know, I was a Christian. I was doing the best that I could. I was living a, uh, at that time, actually, I was really seeking God heavy. Fasting, praying, hours. Brother John was gone at that time, and I spent much time. I was in a heavy time, a season of seeking the Lord. But I got bound. And I couldn't believe it. I didn't know it till after he delivered me, and then I knew, you know, that I was bound. So I asked him one time, 
because I don't want it to happen again, right? I mean, I don't. I didn't want to get bound again. So I said, what happened, Lord? How did I get bound? And he told me, he says, you entertained that spirit. And I said, why? What are you talking about? Who in their right mind would entertain a spirit of depression, right? No. <laughs> you do because the devil's crafty. This is how I entertained it. Anytime t things got rough, I was having a hard time, I'd say, Nobody cares. I'm all alone. But mainly it was that phrase, nobody cares. And so, some warm thing would just like eating a Krispy Kreme donut, and it's that good. It A hot Krispy Kreme donut. It was just like that. I could say it, and it would go just all down in here. And there I'd go. And I'd start down a road. And I, I know, I, you know, I talk about that now because I was so ashamed of it. I was ashamed when I was bound. I was ashamed. But after God set me free, I began talking about it. Because I began to see and realize how many people, that there's a, there's a code in church <laughs> that you've got to be perfect. Especially if you're the preacher's wife. Especially if you're married to somebody who has faith, deliverance, healings, miracles, right? All that. Casting out demons all the time. Well, you sure enough better be free. I mean, there's a code, an unspoken code in the church that you better not be bound. If you are bound, there's something wrong with you. But let me just tell you something. Satan will come to you. And when he first approaches you, Justin, this is what I learned. So God began to teach me about these spirits. And about this one in particular. But I believe they operate in the same manner. So first they approach you. And you panic. Because you know that's not of God. But you don't dare ask for prayer over it. Right? You don't dare go before the pastor and say, This spirit's warned against me and I don't know what to do about it. Because Satan has convinced you that because he brought that spirit to you, you have invited it and you are somehow inviting it and entertaining it and wanting to be part of it. That's how Satan, that's one way that he operates. So you just soldier on and you try to fight it and you try to fight it and you try to fight it and you give in a little here and you give in a little there and it happens. And you know what? Sooner it, uh, or later, what happens is he takes you captive at his will. He takes you captive a little at the time and then suddenly, bam, he's got you and you are full-blown. And by then, you might go to the pastor and get help. But I'm telling you, you're so bound at that point, it's harder to get free. I'm speaking, these are things I have walked and I have witnessed. There's a purpose God is having me go this way tonight. So, just hang on. I'm just about done and pray Brother Metter's ready <laughs> at that point. But that's what God told me. He said that I had entertained that spirit and I didn't understand it. But by, and it was because of that phrase. And he told me to never say that again. I'm saying it in a testimony fashion, completely different. Completely different. Do I? I'm not confessing it. And I'm not getting any self-satisfaction out of it. I'm uncloaking the devil because I can't stand his mean, ugly games. I can't stand them. So, I was shocked and my feelings were hurt. That I wasn't, I wasn't better Christian than that and that God dared to show me. He didn't just deliver me 
But I did ask him, and so he told me the truth. <laughs> you know, and I wanted the truth. And, it, and so d- that did not stop that thought from coming to me time and time again. Even today, I mean, they're not this very day, I'm, I'm not, but there are times, even recently, it has tried to come. It'll come by and knock. I'm like, okay, head on down the road. Jesus answers the door and says, may I help you? Go. Yeah, what are you doing here? I don't answer the door. I let Jesus answer the door. And I say, you handle it. He's a tormentor and he's come back for me. Don't let him get me. Don't let him get me. If you've ever had a spirit and been bound, that is a prayer you pray. I pray. I can tell you, and I'm not ashamed to say it. These spirits are bigger than me. They're not bigger than my Jesus. The Bible says you submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I didn't quote it exactly right. I hit the high points in there. But, so be wise. But don't be fearful. If a spirit introduces itself to you, don't accept the introduction. Come get help. Immediately. Immediately. The spirits and forces and powers that are out there today now are stronger than ever before. We don't and should not take them lightly. I'll give an example of my son uh, that after he gave his life to God, he had uh, a problem with alcohol when he was in college. And he gave his life to God at 20. (laughs) He wasn't even 21 legal age to drink, and he already had a problem with alcohol when he was in college. And uh, and he got, I mean, God flat out saved him straight up. I mean, gosh. And he was fasting and praying and seeking God, but that alcohol spirit wouldn't leave him alone. I didn't know it. I was unaware of it. And he finally came up to his dad at the end of a service one day, and he just sobbed. And he said, I can't live like this anymore. I didn't know what he was talking about. I had no idea. And pastor prayed for him, broke that yoke. And later, that's what he told us. He said that torment to drink was just driving him day and night. And he didn't want to be unholy and unrighteous. He wanted to do what was right, but he couldn't fight it. It broke my heart. It made me mad at the devil. He's so mean. He's so mean. He wants to destroy our lives. But if he had not come for prayer, possibly God would have delivered him on his own, but possibly not. That's why we have the body. We have elders in our church that help us in our times of trouble. So I just want you to be wise and not be fearful if a spirit comes. I will say this one thing and then go knock on the door and see if pastor's ready. I went down to uh, a funeral and I, uh, of a family member and I was, got talking to somebody who was bound with a spirit the same, a similar spirit to what I was bound with. And I talked with her and helped her as best I could, really. She didn't really even want help. Um, anyway, when I left, and when I got home, Sister Susie, that's, I was un- I didn't know these things happened, but that spirit apparently had attached itself to me and followed me home. 
I thought, I'm telling you, everything I had gone through in those years, it all came back. And I said, my God, I've got victory over this. How did this, what happened? What happened? And I mean, it was about four days, five days. And I just, finally, I said, I have got to get to church. If I can make it to church, if I can make it to church, I couldn't pray myself out of it. I'm, I don't know what else to tell y'all. I couldn't do it. I tried and I couldn't overcome that force. And uh, as soon as I got the opportunity at church, pastor pray for me. And he broke that thing off of me. And that's what he gave me, the wisdom to understand these things can attach themselves to you and, and follow you home. And I said, oh, it made me mad again. You devil, I knew I had victory over you. Why did you try to come in here and reattach yourself to me? I didn't believe it. That's what I was, I, I didn't believe it. I was like, this is a, a lie. This is not happening. But it was becoming, it was gaining more and more power over me. As the week went on, I was just scared to death, really, that I was going to go back and be bound again. But I knew my Jesus was not going to leave me there, Sister Pat. I knew he would not leave me that way. And that was all week long. That's what I, every time I would pray, I would just get on my knees. I said, you won't leave me in here. You will not leave me here. You brought me out of this place. You will not leave me here now. You will not. You will not, I don't know how you're bringing me out, but you will not leave me here, God. I trust you, Jesus. You will not leave my soul in hell. You will not leave my, you know, you will not leave me in this place of hell. And God, and he didn't. And he was merciful and broke that force. And I believe a lot of this, I guess, comes to pride. Don't have pride. Please, I beg of you, don't have pride. Come. Nobody, who cares if anybody judges you? That's between them and God. Get help. Fall on the altar. If you can't not get in it on your own, get help. Jesus won't leave us there. He won't leave us there. He won't leave us there. Hallelujah. I love Him tonight and I praise Him. And I, I feel that I know that victory in Jesus is... May not be shouting it at the moment, but I sure know it. And I'm sure feeling it. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to get us to go ahead and stand on our feet. And let's just reach out to the Lord for just another minute or so. Hallelujah. Before Brother John comes and brings us the word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You prepare our hearts and our minds. Hallelujah. God, you prepare us, Jesus. Mm, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. God, you talk to us tonight and open the eyes of our understanding. God, you talk to us tonight. Hallelujah. Sister Pat, Aunt Pat, would you care to share what the Lord has on your heart? Is it okay? Okay. All right. That's all right. I know that she's been coming all week, and um, the Lord's just been talking to us and helping us and and uh, ministering to us. And Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God, I praise you, Lord, and I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Sister Susan.
the cross before me. Oh, the world behind me. Hallelujah. Though none go with me, still I will Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. No turning back. I love that. The cross before me. The world behind me. The world behind me. Hallelujah. I've used that phrase. I think you've heard it before, but I, I say I duct my, taped myself to the cross because there's times I feel like if my grip isn't strong enough, and I know He holds us, but I want to make sure everything in my power. I just have to duct tape myself there sometimes. And so I stay at that cross because I know there's nothing in this world. Nothing in this world. Nothing in this world. I thank God for what He's doing. We can go ahead and get our Bibles and our notebooks. I thank God for what He's doing this week. I thank God for Him opening up the Word. And one more time, you know, after service last night, we had some questions. Might not have been in the official part of the service view. You know, but we just gathered around and talked for a little bit. And, you know, and, and Brother John was, was gracious just to take that time and uh, oh, ask, answer our questions. So we're going to just receive of the Word tonight and not let it confound us. or But listen with open ears and open eyes and, you know, let God open our understanding tonight. Because I tell you, it really empowers us when we, uh, if He goes the way that, that I've, he said he was. We know that can change. <laughs> but as he, the scriptures that he was talking with me about today, I didn't even think about the song of victory in Jesus. Uh, the chorus of that is exactly fitting for uh, why we have victory in Jesus and giving us that great understanding. Amen. Hallelujah. And I apologize. I'm wondering where Pastor is, and I was just going to say it. <laughs> Hello, Pastor. <laughs> Come on and bring us the word because I feel that his I feel the spirit is settled. I feel that. Hallelujah. And I don't like to just go on and on. I really don't. Thank you, Lord. So we're just we're just gonna be patient and just reach out while we wait for Pastor to come. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Let's go ahead and receive our pastor today. Thank you, Lord. Have you made up your mind to follow Jesus? I made up my mind nearly 44 years ago and I ain't let nothing turn me around. I've had to give up a lot of friends. I've had to give up family. But I've decided to follow Jesus. Amen? Because when you really decide to follow Him, everybody ain't going with you. They ain't going to go with you. And there's people in your own family will fight you. I got people in my family that'll call me when they need a miracle or need healing. They won't call me any other time. But they know that gift's there. They know that anointing's there. And that's when they'll call me, when they need prayer. That's when a lot of people call me. They don't like the Word I preach. Because it requires something. It, will, it requires people to live clean and holy and walk upright before God. They don't want that, but they want the deliverance. The Lord told me here a while back that people that won't serve God or refuse to serve God, He told me quit praying for them. He said, why should you pray for the healing and deliverance of people so they can go out and serve the devil, live like they want to. And you know, people all the time contact me, pray for this and pray for that and pray for my aunt, pray for my uncle, pray for my niece, pray for my nephew. And you know what the first thing I ask them? Are they serving the Lord? If they tell me they ain't serving the Lord, I tell them go talk to them about repentance. Because sometimes God brings hardship on people. Any of y'all in here get saved when everything's going good? Or did God have to deal with you? God had to knock me down. Get my attention. Amen. He had to knock me down to get my attention. And see, we want God's blessings, God's prosperity, God's goodness. We don't want no hardship. We don't want nothing to happen to any of our kids. We want them to live a blessed life. But we don't want God to deal with them. I'm going to tell you something. I'd rather God deal with my kids and then repent on their deathbed than to live blessed, happy, prosperous lives and bust tail wide open. You say, you crazy. No, I'm after their soul. I'm after their soul. I want to see their soul saved. Amen. If God's got to trouble them, let Him trouble them. You know, sometimes I don't even know why I bother to put them things on. I don't keep them on no time. Reading, I, I, I don't wear a necktie. If you ever see me wearing a necktie, I'm usually going to a wedding or a funeral. Because I just don't, don't like nothing tied around my neck. But if the Lord will allow me, and I can get you to listen to me and flow with me through this whole word, and you can ask questions. I want you to because I want you to know. But this that God has given me right here is what gives me victory and what puts power in my life. 
because I know in whom I believe. I know in whom I believe, Sister Susie, and I've committed the trust of my soul to him. He's never failed me in 43 years, and he ain't going to fail me now. Don't make no difference what it's been. God's always brought me through. It's been rough sometimes, but he brought me through because I believe in him. And when he started revealing this to me and putting this in my spirit, it let me see just how much he loved me and how much he cared for me and the price he was willing to pay to deliver me from the bondage of hell. That's why I got confidence in my Redeemer. I know my Redeemer liveth. I know He liveth. You know, Job didn't know the gospel. Not the way it's been revealed to us. But this one thing he said, those skin worms devour my body. He said, there's coming a day. He said, I'm going to see my Redeemer face to face. He said, I know my Redeemer liveth. He said, Pat, I know he's alive. And I know what he done to destroy the yoke of hell and bondage off of his people's lives. If I can get you to see this tonight, get this revealed in your spirit, you grab hold of this, there ain't nothing will stop you from putting the devil under your feet. You can open the door and show it to him and kick him in the rear end as he goes out and never be troubled with him because he's destroyed. To the believer, Satan is destroyed. To the believer, the power of Satan has no hold. Has no hold. And yet every day, people that claim to have the Holy Ghost are wrestling with this and wrestling with that and fighting this and fighting that and warring with this and warring with that. You don't have to. I'm telling you, you don't have to. The only trials you've got to go through is what God puts you through to purge things out of you and put His Spirit in you. Because, see, I know I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Because I know what's took its abode in here. And think about it is, I'm after the whole thing. You ever walk through a supermarket and they'll do it especially about lunchtime. Have all these tables set up and be giving you samples. They're bad to do it. We got a BJ's at the house we shop at, and they long about lunchtime. They have about five or six of them counters set up. You go by, and they'll give you just, just taste. You take that thing, you walk off. You get about fifteen feet down there. And, boy, that was good. You turn around, and go back and see what it was. See where it's at in the store, and you go buy the whole thing. I've had a taste. Ooh, ah, crasuhura. I want the whole thing. I want the resurrected Christ to take His abode in here in His fullness. I want to know Him in the power of His resurrection. If it takes the fellowship of His suffering, all I can say, God, bring it on. Bring it on. Because if you don't suffer with Him, you ain't going to reign with Him. If you suffer with Him, you're going to reign with Him. Hallelujah. And I plan on reigning with Him. I plan on reigning with him. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's a millennium coming. 
I don't know how far it off it is, but there's a millennium coming. He said, we're going to reign with him as kings and priests for a thousand years. All millennium means it's a thousand. Y'all think y'all going to live a thousand years in these old wore out, run down, beat up bodies? Man, we do good to make it to 60 or 70. Get about 45 or 50 and it's like everything starts falling apart. <laughs> they want to replace this and replace that and put a joint in here and a joint in there. And I, won't, I won't be redeemed. I won't be re my spoke My soul's been redeemed. Y'all hear me? But there's coming a redemption of the body. There's coming a redemption of the body. Hallelujah. That we're going to put off this old corruption and this bondage. And we're going to put on the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now, I ain't told, see, yeah, the church has taught everybody everything's up there. I need something down here. I need something down here. Now when I start ministering on this, please just follow with me. And if I hit on something you don't understand, jot it down. Amen. Because I'm going to hit on a bunch of things you don't understand tonight. Some of y'all's heard me preach on this. And y'all got more understanding than other folks, but you ain't never heard me preach on this. Because when God first started revealing it to me, me and the Lord had a lot of talks. <laughs> I said, do what? <laughs> then I'd have to get in the Word, and I'd have to pray and study and fast and seek the face of God. But when God was ready, and not till He was ready, He'd reveal it to me. See, God can't reveal anything to you before you can receive it. He can't do it. You have to be in a spiritual place to receive God's Word and the revelation of God's Word or you can't understand it. Because this carnal man, this natural man, don't know the things of God. The only thing the spirit of man knows according to uh, 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter said the spirit of man understands nothing but the things of man. But the things that be of God understandeth no man except God reveal them. So God's got to reveal this. And I hesitate sometimes to get into this because there's so many people that want to just hold on to doctrine, hold on to tradition. Well, that ain't what I was taught. I, tell them, I don't care what you taught, what's the Word say? What does the Word say? And I found out by the revelation of this Word, whoo, <laughs> there's a power being revealed in God's people that the devil can't stop you. When I saw what I saw Monday night, how I stood on the edge of the universe, and I saw the whole universe out there, and I thought God was just revisiting me. What he showed me back in June. But when that word of the Lord come to me, and it said the word of the word the word of God is quick, powerful and sharper than any two edged sword. And then that authority, I felt that authority come on me that whatever I'd have said at that time, God would have done it. I felt that creative command ye me power. 
and I felt like whatever I'd have said, God would have done it. And the Lord spoke to me Tuesday evening and said this was a different visitation. That kind of power is fixing to get in God's people. I'm talking about those that are sold out to this kingdom. This ain't going to happen in just lay members. This is going to happen to people that will present their body unto the Lord a living sacrifice and set their heart to seek first the kingdom of God. And there's people going to do it. Because they ain't got, I ain't got nothing else to live for. I ain't got nothing else to live for except to possess this kingdom. That's all I got to live for. Hallelujah. Anybody going with me? Y'all going with me? Hallelujah. Get your traveling shoes on. We're fixing to go somewhere. I'm going to go to Isaiah 53. And I know y'all know some of the scriptures in Isaiah 53, but I'm not going to get on them. I'm going a little further down. We got people all over the country watching these services. Did y'all know that? We probably got more people watching on live stream than we got in the congregation. But at least people are listening. They're listening. Y'all with me? Isaiah 53, and let's go to verse 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? The Lord dealt with me many years ago. You know, uh, the church is taught that Jesus ministered three and a half years of His ministry on earth and then He was crucified and there's three and a half years left. This is right here. Who's going to declare His generation? A generation is a period of 30 to 40 years. So I feel like there's 30 to 40 years of a Jesus ministry fixing to come forth and we're going to walk in it. I feel like somebody's fixing to declare His generation. Amen. Because he was cut off. He was. He was taken from the land of the living. He was cut off. Somebody fixing to declare this generation. And somebody said if the gospel was preached in just the Philippines, if one person tried to preach the gospel just to the Philippines, so there's over 3,000 islands, little bitty islands and big islands, over 3,000 islands in that area, how long would it take one person to preach on 3,000 islands and get the gospel. There are a lot of souls out there. But this gospel of the kingdom with power is going to have to be preached into all the world for a witness. And then shall the end come. The Bible said every creature, they ain't going to just hear a repentance gospel. They ain't just going to hear a, a, a water baptism gospel. They're going to hear the gospel of the kingdom that brings power and deliverance. Every creature. Every creature. That's what the Word of God says. He said, and then shall the end come. Hallelujah. And I want to be one of them going and preaching. For he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. Now pay attention to this right here. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his day, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. 
He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Brother Philip, give me a little bit on my monitor up here. I feel like I'm straining. Go with me to Luke, the 22nd chapter. When you get there, say amen. Luke, the 22nd chapter. Y'all with me? 40th verse. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeling down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. You see where I need to go. I think it's Hebrews. Yeah, Hebrews, the fifth chapter. And I read part of this last night. These the scriptures I've been talking on, they're gonna they're gonna cross over tonight. Hebrews five, y'all with me? Verse seven. Or let's just do verse 6 too. As he saith in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he'd offered up prayers and supplication, was strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. This talking about Jesus. He was afraid. What was fixing to happen to him and where he is fixing to go, he was afraid. That's why in that garden he prayed so fervently and prayed so earnestly and he prayed in an agony till his sweat popped out like great drops of blood. Y'all hanging with me. Though he were a son, yet learned to obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him, called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And I told you all last night, there's only two priesthoods in the Bible. There's the order of Aaron and, the order, and there's the order of Melchizedek. And the Lord told me several years back, He said the priesthood after the order of Melchizedek is fixing to come forth. 
That priesthood ain't made after the law of carnal commandments, but that priesthood is made after the law of an endless life. Amen. That priesthood, right now, the sons of Levi under the order of Abram are being purified. They're being purified. The Lord said in Malachi, He said, I'll purify and purge the sons of Levi that I can make them an offering of righteousness. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus didn't come out of the sons of Levi. He came out of the tribe of Judah and there's fixing to be a Melchizedek priesthood that's going to walk in the power of an endless life. Not after carnal commandments, but we're going to come forth in the power of an endless life. you got to believe. you got to believe. Hallelujah. So many people have been taught just go to church and repent, live good lives, and wait for the Lord to come take them home. No, thank you. I want God to be a reality to me. I want this Bible to come alive in my life. And I'm telling y'all, if I can get y'all to believe me, we are entering into a book of Acts move of the Spirit of Christ. The book of Acts church is being set up again. There's a restoration and a reconciliation that I preached the other night that's bringing the book of Acts church back into being. we got to have it. The church has functioned for years on pastors and evangelists and teachers, and it's never had leadership ministries. If you don't have the five ministries, the Bible said in, in Ephesians 4 and 11, and it gave some gifts. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And he gave these gifts for the perfecting or the maturing or the completion of his work and will in the saints. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. The body of Christ has got to be taught. It's got to be edified. It's got to be educated. Are you hearing me? Till we all come in the unity of the faith. There ain't but one. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God who is the Father of all and lives through us all and in us all. They ain't but one faith. Till we all come to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. A man that's complete in Christ. A man that's mature in Christ. A man that's put on Christ. Till we come to the knowledge, that knowledge, the perfect man. Amen. To the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Amen. We've got to come to that knowledge of Him. We've all got to come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God or the Son of, uh, unto a perfect man. To that measure. That, that word measure right there, you look it up, it means the same number of years of maturity that was in Christ. That measure, that statue of that fullness of Christ. Right here. That we henceforth be no more children. Tossed to and fro. With every wind of doctrine. Man, everything comes through. People follow after it. I remember when I was pastoring in Fort Payne. I hadn't been there three or four years. And somebody come and told me. said, Brother Metter, you need to go hear this preacher. I said, really? He said, yeah, he comes out there every night. And said he calls people out and tells them who their doctor is and tells them what's wrong in their body and said he can read your driver's license, tell you your address. 
I said, man, y'all need to learn the difference between the gift of God and the fortune-telling spirit. I said, that ain't nothing but no divination. Oh, no, Brother Metter, he prays for people and they get healed. I said, okay. I said, does he do the same thing every night, night after night? Oh, yeah, he works by the gift every night. I said, no. I said, God don't move that way every night. Spirit of God don't manifest itself. I said, God knows what his people needs. And I said, I preach too many revivals. And I said, the word and the working of the spirits different nearly every night. Can anybody say amen? amen? The word and the working of the Spirit. Sister Susie, you've been around enough preachers and in meetings, and you know if it's really the Spirit of God, every night's different. I don't want cookie-cutter religion. <laughs> and I sure don't want no spirit of divination. That's the spirit Paul cast out of that woman. Yeah, that's all it is, spirit of witchcraft. All y'all got is a Simeon from Syria. Or Samaria. Acts the 8th chapter. Bible said for a long time he had bewitched the people with sorceries. Making them think he was some great one of God. Till he run upon Philip. <laughs> and Philip straightened him out. Because he started doing some real miracles. Demons started coming out of people. And crying with loud voices. And many with palsies and sickness and diseases was healed. Because Philip went in there and preached the kingdom of God. Preached Christ to him. And when you preach the kingdom uh, and there's a dedication in you. Uh, miracles are going to happen. Uh, deliverance uh, is coming forth. Uh, because the kingdom of God uh, is not in word. Uh, it's in power. Hallelujah. Can stand this dead gospel. Dried up, plucked up. And all people want to do is go to church and sing and shout. And then the preacher come out and preach some old dead sermonette. Everybody goes home. Ain't nothing changed. The true word of God will change you. True word of God will convict you. True word of God, it'll prune you up. Hallelujah, you may think you're doing good and a man or a, a vessel preach the word of God by the anointing and you'll come in there all flourished out full of limbs and leaves and flowers and you'll leave there cut down to the bark. Hallelujah. Whoosh. Hallelujah. God will do it because he loves you and he cares for you and he wants you to grow. And he said, if you bring forth fruit, I'll purge you that you bring forth more fruit are much fruit. Man, we can't even get a bud on folks. <laughs> much less get them bring forth anything. I, 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 I'd get tickled if some of y'all just bud. <laughs> just put on a blossom. Because <laughs> I know there's a chance might be some fruit there. But as y'all know, and I'm a city boy, but I got moved out in the country in the 70s. And I used to do gardens and had a milk cow. I used to milk my cow twice a day. Raised chickens and guineas and geese and had some ducks and pigs and you name it. I just about dealt with it. But I always had good gardens. But you know now you plant something, you can't even get it to produce. I've always planted squash and cucumbers and tomatoes and 
And up three or four years ago, man, my squash plants, they'd get big and huge, and they'd put a big old bloom on and then die. Done the same thing this year. Wouldn't produce nothing. Cucumbers, same way. Finally got two or three cucumbers. Peppers. Can't get nothing to produce or reproduce. I told the Lord I didn't understand it. I believe it's a sign of the times we're living in. Ain't nothing producing. God's church ain't producing. We're supposed to be producing Christ. We're supposed to be producing Christ. Man, if I don't get any scriptures, we're going to be here till the morning sun comes up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me see where I need to go now. Y'all bear with me. I got a lot of scripture marked, and I got four more pages after I get through with this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go back to Matthew 27. One thing about it, y'all going to know y'all had some word preached to you tonight. Verse 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Elah, Elah, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let us, let be, let us see whether Elias or Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, shielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things which were done or that were done, great, uh, feared greatly, saying, This was the Son of God. Now, go back with me to the Gospel of Luke. And I know I'm jumping around a lot, but go with me to the 23rd chapter. And I'm going to start trying to bring some of this together. 44th verse. Y'all with me? Luke 23 and 44. Anybody? And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, He said, Father, into Thy hands I commend My Spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now, I want to talk to you about the sacrifice Jesus made. And I was praying last night, and I was praying today, and the Lord began to put it in my spirit 
Because what I'm fixing to tell you, the church won't preach. And the Lord put it in my spirit. He said, Jesus chose to do this. He chose to do it. The enemy didn't defeat him. The enemy didn't outsmart him. The enemy didn't cause it to happen. Jesus made a choice. When he was in that garden praying, and he agonized so hard, and he said, Father, he said, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. He said, but for this very purpose, I've come into the world. And he said, so what can I say except not my will, but thine be done. I've had people tell me Jesus couldn't fail. Yes, he could have. He was a man. Why do you think he wrestled there in that garden? He didn't want to go through what he was fixing to go through. But he knew what he had come into the world for. He knew what he was ordained to do. Are y'all listening to me? Therefore he wrestled. He wasn't worried about the physical death. He wasn't worried about the physical pain. What he was worried about was he was fixing to be without the presence of the Father for the first time in his life. The presence of God was fixing to leave him. Are y'all following me? Go to 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter. I'm going to tell you, there's coming a day I ain't going to have to wrestle so hard to preach like this. I've got to wrestle and wrestle and war to feel peace, to preach like this, because I know what's been taught people by religion, and I know what's in their spirits. And I know if they don't listen and let God reveal it to them, they can miss the greatest victory that Jesus paid for. Are y'all with me? Second Corinthians 5th chapter. Let's go to the 18th verse. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And see, I preached on that. All this is coming together. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's dead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him, now listen to what I'm telling you, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus did not just choose to die on that cross and shed his life's blood. He chose for his soul to take on your sins. He chose for his souls to take on your sins. And therefore, sin don't dwell in the flesh. It dwells in the soul. 
Are y'all following with me? The Word of God says, The soul that sinneth shall surely die. He made this choice. Y'all follow me? He made this choice to take the sins or the sin, however you want to say it. When John saw him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin, not sins, sin of the world. So Jesus made this choice while he was hanging on that cross. His blood was being shed. His body was being given. But Isaiah also said, and I read it to you back in 53, Isaiah 53 and 10, When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Jesus hanging on that cross, the sins that had been put under the law, rolled forward every year, came on him. The Bible says in Isaiah, and I was going to look it up, but I forgot it, said his visage was so marred. I heard one author describe it, said when the sin of the world come on him, said his, his features become so twisted and contorted that you couldn't even recognize him. But he became sin. Is that what the Word says? He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. See, He done this to deliver us from Satan. He done this to deliver us from hell because that's where humanity was headed. Satan held the power of spiritual death. Had ever since Adam. There was no way for you to go to the presence of God by grace and mercy to get forgiveness like it is now. The only thing you could do is offer up a sin sacrifice under the law and hope for the best. You had no assurance. You had no confidence. And when all that sin come on him, he cried out. And he said, Eloi, Eloi, Lema Sabachthani, or my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because when he became sin, the Spirit of God left him. Didn't have no choice. It left him. And here's what the church don't want to face. And here's what nobody wants to say. We'll quote the Scripture. The wages of sin is death. We'll quote the Scripture. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. Because that's what the Word says. But yet when Jesus became sin, what happens to his soul? What happens to his soul? See, nobody wants to say this. Church world don't want to say it. They think I preach like this, I'm blaspheming. But he chose to do it. He chose to do it. And the very last, one of the very last things he said, Father, into thy hands 
I commend my spirit. I put my spirit in your charge. If he was just going to leave and go straight to heaven, why did he commend his soul in the hands of his father? Because he knew for two days and two nights he's fixing to be without the presence of God in the torments of hell. To pay for mine and your sins. Church don't preach this. They don't want to preach it. Are you taken away from his glory, Brother Mary? No, I'm not. If you will follow me, you will see this brings the greatest victory and the greatest dominion over Satan the world has ever heard tell of. Because he suffered. Not because of what he had done, because of what we had done. He suffered. He suffered. When he cried out, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He gave up the ghost. Gave up his spirit. Gave up his soul. And this is what happened to him. Go with me. Psalms. Let me get over here. Psalms. I believe a 118, yeah. Y'all get to Psalms 18, I'm going to start the first verse. Let me know. I feel victory. <laughs> Woo! I feel victory. Y'all with me? Psalms 18 and 1. I will love thee, O Lord. My strength... The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength and whom I trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The sorrows of death come past me. And the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about the snares of death and prevented me. And in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple and my cry came before him even into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. There went out a smoke out of his nostrils. Fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down. And darkness was under his feet. Hallelujah. Y'all still with me? See, I think I want to go to Psalms 1. I don't know if I marked it or not. Psalms 116, if I can find it. That's not what I want. Maybe 118. Y'all bear with me. Thank you, Lord. Let me check right here and see what my, see what my scriptures are. 116, that's what it is. Yes. Psalms 116, beginning at verse 1. 
I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplication. Because he inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death come past me, and the pains of hell get hold upon me, and I found trouble and sorrow. Because Jesus chose, he chose to become your sin sacrifice. He chose to do this. When he took all of the sins upon him, when he bowed that head and cried out to God, said, It's finished, and into thy hands I commend my spirits. He gave up the ghost, and that sin-laden soul went to the pits of hell to pay for mine and your sins. And everything in hell compassed him. Devil thought he had him. Was rejoicing and jubilant. And the very demons of hell tormented him. Brother Medical, you know what you're talking about. You better believe I do. It's right there in the Word. The very demons of hell tormented him. Go with me to Acts, the second chapter. But little by little. Woo-hoo! Are y'all hearing me? Little by little, he paid for them sins. Two days and two nights he was there. And he come out the third day. They put him in on a Friday afternoon because the Sabbath was drawing on. And in the Jewish law, the Sabbath started Friday sundown goes to Saturday sundown. So they put him in before the Sabbath on a Friday evening. He was in there all Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night, but on the dawn of that third day. <laughs> Woo! But see, he suffered. That's what he was crying so hard about. He knew he was going to be there. The Father couldn't help him. He knew he was going to be there paying for my sins and your sins, the sins of the world. He knew he was going to suffer. But the Bible said he was made perfect through suffering. He suffered. The horrors of hell, they got around him. They compassed about him. They tormented him. They vexed him. They aggravated him. You say you're crazy. No, I'm not. I've got victory. I've got victory. Hang with me. Acts the second chapter. Y'all with me? 22nd verse. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. See, the, the Pharisees and the Romans, they didn't do nothing except carry out God's will. He had been delivered by the determinate counsel and the forewill of God. He was walking in God's plan. He was suffering physically. He went through that beating. He suffered. He walked out. It was God's will for him to suffer. 
like he was suffering in his physical body, but it's also God's will for him to suffer in his soul. To pay for everything you've done wrong. He done nothing wrong, but he become your sin sacrifice. He willingly done this. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. God loved us this much to give. Anybody can go through a physical beating. I told y'all last night over in the Philippines, they walk in them parades and they beat themselves every year with whips, little pieces of metal on the, the 40 stripes. They walk with a crown of thorns on their head and they put them on the cross and crucify them. Some of them live, most of them die. A lot of them die. They go through that, but it don't change one thing. It took more than Jesus' physical death. It took more than his physical death because what he done with his soul was he took the power of spiritual death away from the devil. He took it away from him. Never for spiritual death to be bondage and be held over your head anymore. Never again for the devil to hold you in bondage through fear. That's what Hebrews 2 says. Said through death that he might destroy him that had the power of death, even the devil, who kept men all their lifetime subject to bondage because they feared that death. They didn't know what was going to happen when they died. I know what's going to happen to me if I die. <laughs> you say, What do you mean if you die? God may reveal this kingdom. If God reveals this kingdom in the fullness, I don't got to die. What made you crazy? Why? Why should I have to? If spiritual death is conquered, if he that conquered spiritual death took spiritual death out of the devil's hands, defeated the demons of hell, defeated death, holds the keys of hell and death, lives in here, why should I have to go to the grave? Did he not say, Death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Did he not say that? It's going to click in a minute, Sister Pat. It will. It'll click. Hallelujah. Him, I'm in verse 23. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God ye have taken and by wicked hands have you crucified and slain. Did you know the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians that if the princes of this world knew who they had, if they had known what was fixing to happen, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. The devil thought he had everything in his hands. He thought he had everything working to his will. He worked all this and got them to crucify Jesus and they thought they was rid of him. Satan said, uh-huh. He said, that, that created son of God I got rid of and now this begotten son of God, I put him to death. Everything's gonna be fine. I can rule the earth. I can rule with sickness, disease. 
disease, depression, I, discouragement, but if they had known, I, my God, God hid this mystery even from the devil. I, the devil didn't understand this mystery. I, if they had known the mystery of God, I, even the princes of this world, they would not I, have crucified I, the Lord of glory. I, but when they did, they fulfilled I, God's plan. Was God's will by his foreknowledge and determinate counsel to have him crucified? Here we go. <laughs> Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Write that word right there. Write it down, pains, and go back and check it in your concordance and find out what it means. It means more than what y'all think. Because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, and I should not be moved. Now this is what Jesus put his faith in right here, was this word of God. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad... Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will I suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. I'm dropping down to verse 31. He seen this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, wherefore we are all witnesses. Y'all see what that word says? When Jesus got ready to die on that cross, he put his confidence in that word right there. Said, my flesh shall rest in hope, because you've done spoke. You've done spoke and said, you ain't going to leave my soul in hell. Neither are you going to allow your Holy One, you ain't going to allow my physical body to corrupt. And the Bible would tell you, if you go to John the 11th chapter, when Jesus went to raise Lazarus, and he went out there and told him to roll the stone away, one of the sisters said, well, Lord, it's been four days. Said, he stinks by now. He's already rotten. You can't leave a body in the grave past three days. It'll start rotting. So, that's why Jesus kept telling them, the third day I'll rise again. You tear this temple down, three days I'll build it back up. I'll rise again. He said, I will not leave my soul in hell, neither will I suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Hallelujah. Are y'all with me? Hang with me. We're going somewhere. I said, we're going somewhere. Amen. He paid for sin. He paid for it with his soul. He paid for it with his soul. The wages of sin's death. He took all our sins. Paid for them. Two days and two nights... They tormented him. The devils in hell tormented him. 
But little by little, them sins come off of him. Come off of him. Little by little. He paid for them. Y'all hear me? Paid for them. Early that morning of that third day, the very power of God stepped into that pit of hell. When it did, he stood up and he walked over to the devil. He said, Give me here, boy. Give me here. He said, What do you want? He said, I want the keys of death and hell. Give them here. I beat you in your own domain. Colossians said he triumphed over him openly, right in his own domain. He defeated Satan in every imp of hell. Defeated him and took the keys of death and hell. That's why I don't fear death. And I sure ain't afraid of hell. What's the fear? He holds the keys of death and hell. In Revelation 1 and 18, he said, I'm he that was dead, but I'm alive, and I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and death. Y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? I don't know if I can finish this or not, because I don't know how much y'all can handle But there's a lot more to this. See what people don't understand. When this happened, go to Acts 13. I'm not preaching something to you out of the Old Testament. I'm giving you New Testament. I'm in Acts 13 and I'm at verse 28. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. When they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. Did you know Jesus could have been killed any other way except on the cross and his blood would have still forgive our sins? But because he hung on the tree, he redeemed us from the curse. Because the law said, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So he became a curse for us by hanging on that cross that we might be redeemed from the curse of the law. And the curse of the law is sickness and disease and all kind of torments. So he, according to Galatians 3, I believe it is, became a curse for us that we might be redeemed from the curse of the law. Because he hung on that tree. If he had been stoned and shed his blood, we'd still have forgiveness of sins, but we wouldn't be delivered from the curse. But because he hung on that tree, and the word said, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, Jesus became a curse for us to redeem us from the curse of the law. That didn't cost you nothing. (laughs) Amen? So they took him down from the tree and laid him in the sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them which were come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. 
And we declare unto you glad tidings how that the promise which he made unto the fathers, God has fulfilled, now listen to this, God has fulfilled the same unto us their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again from the dead, as it is written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Y'all see that? This day he done what? What does the word begotten mean? Birthed? Does it mean birthed? Does it mean birthed? Y'all hang with me. I'm going to read to 33 again, going to 34. God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and as concerning that he raised him from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give unto thee the sure mercies of David, wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Now, go with me to Romans the 8th chapter. Huh? I know you are. And it's going to be revealed in you. I'm, I'm telling you by the Spirit of God. God's going to put this in. You, you might sit up at the bed at 3 o'clock in the morning, throw your hands up and shout, My God, I understand. I got it. Where did I tell you all to go? Romans 8. My God, I'm so caught up in the Spirit of God. I don't know which end of me is up. But I'm having a good time and I feel victory in Jesus. Because people that get this and get this revealed in them, Devil can't touch you. I'm telling you, the devil can't touch you. Romans the 8th chapter. Y'all following with me? I'm fixing to show you two resurrections. <laughs> Did you hear me? I'm fixing to show you two resurrections. Brother Meadow, was there two? Word of God said there was. Because, see, Jesus' soul had died when he went to hell. His soul had, had actually spiritually died. So it had to be reborn. That's why he said, This day thou art my son, I have forgotten thee. He said that when he raised him from the dead. So he was reborn. Y'all following with me? <laughs> y'all look at me like that. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. He had to be reborn. Romans 8, verse 11. Follow with me word for word. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead, the physical body, dwell in you, 
He that raised Christ from the dead. The spiritual man. Birthed him, brought him out of hell. Victor. Brought him out of hell. Having made a show triumph openly over Satan and put him under his feet. What he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, he gave him victory over everything in heaven, earth, and hell. Gave him total victory because he defeated it all. You with me? <laughs> so Brother Meadow, have you lost your mind? No, I'm trying to tell you the mystery and the very secret of God that if you can get a hold of it, it'll live right here and Satan will be afraid to mess with you. He'll be afraid to mess with you. Y'all following with me now? I told you last night. I figured it up today and I figured it up before, but I wrote it down. Eight people in the Bible, not including Jesus, was raised from the dead. Eight people. Elijah raised the widow's son to life. Elisha raised the Shudamite son. Elisha's bones raised the dead soldier. That's three in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus raised Jairus' daughter. Then he raised the young man on his way to the funeral in Nain in Luke 7. And then he raised Lazarus. That's three Jesus raised. And then Peter raised Tabitha. And Paul raised the young man that fell out of the loft when Paul preached to midnight. Ain't y'all glad that spirit ain't got on me yet? <laughs> but I feel it coming. Y'all hanging with me? Every one of them that was raised from the dead was raised mortal and corruptible and died again. Boy, don't that stink. I mean, call Lazarus out of the grave. And Lazarus had to die all over again. Everybody that was raised from the dead in the Bible was raised mortal and corruptible, except Jesus. And when he came out of that grave, he came out immortal and incorruptible. Now why? Ask yourself why. All these people got raised from the dead. They were raised mortal and corruptible except Jesus. And when He come out, He was immortal, incorruptible, and had total victory over everything. You know why? He defeated Satan. He defeated him that had the power of spiritual death. He defeated, he destroyed him. That he might destroy him that had power of death. That is the devil. Let me finish this off in, in Romans. Y'all with me? But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, that's the physical body. He that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken are your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. So see, the physical man, Jesus, 
was raised from the dead, and the spirit man, which would become the Christ, was also raised. Reborn, rebirthed, born again, however you want to put it. Bible said, this day I've begotten thee. Brother Better, what does the Word say? Thou art my son, this day I've begotten thee. He had to rebirth him because the soul had died. The church world teaches that while Jesus' body was in the tomb, he went down to hell and had a great revival. Have y'all ever seen anybody get out of, get out of the hell free card? Nobody's ever been redeemed out of hell except the Christ. Nobody. Because he sent them there to pay for their sins. After Jesus' resurrection, when he had put that blood on the mercy seat, see, he couldn't have went down there and preached salvation to him and hadn't been paid for yet. Had not been paid for. But after his resurrection, after that blood was on that mercy seat, somewhere he ascended into the bowels of the earth and preached to those souls in prison for three days and three nights. Them that was disobedient from Adam to Moses that was held in that prison. Are y'all hearing me? He went down there and gave them an opportunity to hear because they'd never heard. And God is a just God and He cannot condemn nobody to a hell if they don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. He may do it again. Because there's a lot of people out there who ain't never heard the name of Jesus. There may be souls kept in prison somewhere. How could God condemn a soul to a devil's hell when he never heard about Jesus? Give you something to think about. You don't know what God's going to do. But it's one thing you can rest assured of. God is just. He's just. Will you turn that fan off? He is just. All right, now. Can we go somewhere else? Go to Revelation. First chapter. I'll have to find it. I don't have these marked. I got them written down, but don't have them marked. Jesus was not the first to be raised from the dead, but he was the first begotten of the dead. There's a difference. He wasn't the first person raised from the dead. Elijah raised the widow's son to life. Elisha raised the Shudamite woman's son to life. Elisha's bones raised the dead soldier. That was three before Jesus ever come on the scene. Then Jesus raised Jairus' daughter. Y'all ever notice how I think it says he took the maid by the hand and spoke to her and said, Rise. Second time he raised the dead, he just touched the funeral beer. He didn't touch the young man. Third time, he just called Lazarus out. So each time, the anointing in the Word got more powerful. So Jesus raised three from the dead. There was three raised from the dead in the Old Testament. And then Peter raised Tabitha. And Paul raised that young man and fell out of the third loft. Every one of them was raised from the dead. But Jesus was the first begotten 
because he had to be birthed. His soul had to re be reborn to come out of hell. Am I making sense to you? Listen to what the Word says. Revelation five, uh, 1 and verse 5. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. And the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Go over to verse 17 and 18. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Let me find my scriptures. Y'all bear with me. Let's go to Colossians 1, uh, Colossians the first chapter. Thank God there's only Colossians 1. There ain't Colossians 1 and 2. Just one of them. <laughs> Colossians 1. Y'all with me? Verse 18. And he is the head of the body... The church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. It pleased him. Alright, I'm looking for one. Hang on. I'm going back to Hebrews 5. And I'm going to verse 4. Y'all with me? And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God was Aaron. It's talking about the priesthood. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. Christ didn't glorify himself. God glorified him when he raised him from the dead. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son today, have I begotten thee? When he done that, he glorified him. He brought him out. I said he brought him out. There's a scripture I'm going to look for. And I think I can find it. If I don't, I'll go get my... Say, so why are you telling us all this? Because I want you to know what can live in you. I want you to know the authority and the dominion that now lives in Jesus and it can live in you. This is our inheritance. This is the kingdom. This is the Spirit that's fixing to come as the latter reign of the Holy Ghost. Did anybody hear that? I said the Spirit of this is fixing to come. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't know if I can find it or not. 
Will you step back there, Lisa, and get my, or Justin, just step back there and get my iPad. I've got my Bible on it. I'll, I'll try to look it up from there. No, it's an Acts. And I was thinking it was in the second chapter, but there's so much about this in the second chapter. Thank you, sir. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Y'all just hang with me just a second. I'm just going to bring up a lot of scriptures because i got to do it the hard way. There's more than one scripture in the Bible about dead. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's in the first part of Acts. And I may be wrong. try to find it and give it to you tomorrow. Let me try it this way. not finding it but anywhere there's a scripture and I believe it is in Acts that says it might be the that he might be the first to rise from the dead but he wasn't the first to be to rise from the dead he was the first to be begotten and I, I thought I knew where it was God has put this in my spirit to show you that everything's conquered. Everything's conquered, says Pat. And the spirit of him that conquered it is fixed to come take his abode right here in the fullness. The Christ. This is what Paul was talking about when in Philippians 3 when he said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Paul saw this. See, most of this is Paul's writings. Amen? Most of this is Paul's writings. Paul saw this. This is the mystery of God. Read it. Acts 26, 23, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. See? It says that he should be the first 
Well, we know he wasn't the first resurrected. That he should be the first that would rise from the dead. He would be the first begotten or birthed from the dead. When a soul dies, it has to be reborn. Amen? And Jesus done this to keep me and you out of hell. Let me give you a scripture in Hebrews. Second chapter. See, there's so much that the church has taken and preached as natural when they're spiritual things. I mean, they've really taken it. Hebrews 2, verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death. We've always took that as just as natural death. Crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Now, what death did Jesus taste if we all going to suffer physical death? If the Lord don't come, every one of us is going to die. But it said here that he should taste death for every man by the grace of God. He tasted that spiritual death that me and you wouldn't have to go there. He went there and paid for our sins that we won't have to go there. He tasted of death for every man. And it's up to every man to receive this. This is why God gives man free will. But this makes me understand how much God loved me. Go over to 14. Verse of of Hebrews. This is what I've been quoting. For then as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, and I brought this out last night when I preached on the man Christ Jesus. He also likewise himself took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Hebrews 2nd chapter and 14th verse. I was in 2nd and 9 and then I went to verse 14. Okay, y'all with me? Now, there's nothing in Jesus dying physically that's going to take spiritual death out of the devil's hands. Him just dying physically didn't do it. But when he chose to die spiritually, he could take that spiritual death back away from him. See, he, he had, Adam gave it away. God couldn't just step in there and take it because God's a God of law and order. So he had to find a way for somebody to go and take death away from the devil. And Jesus said, I'll do it. He made the choice. He made the choice. He said, I'll do it. And through death, he destroyed him that had the power of death, even the devil. Y'all see what that says? Am I preaching this word? I'm not making this up. Say, well, why won't the church preach this? Because they don't want to say nothing about Jesus being your sin sacrifice. They want to tell you that while his body was in the tomb, his soul went to hell and he preached a great revival and souls come out of hell. Souls ain't never come out of hell. 
That ain't what the Bible says. Said the souls that was in prison that were sometime disobedient from Adam to Moses, he went and preached to those souls because there was no law. There was nothing to govern them. There was nothing to help them. There was nothing to give them redemption. So he went and preached to those souls. Three days and three nights he preached to them souls. Then it by his spirit. I believe some of them come out. I do, I believe so. I don't know that all of them did. But if he'd have went to hell and told him people, I'm here if you'll accept me, I'll deliver you from hell, it wouldn't have took no three days. <laughs> but it'd have been in line. They'd been fighting to get a ticket. All he had to say, if you believe in me, I'm getting you out of here. That's all he had to say. He just packed that lined up behind him. <laughs> but it didn't work that way. It didn't work that way. But that's what the church has taught people. About every one of y'all's heard that. That while Jesus' body was in the tomb, his soul went to hell and preached a great revival. Uh -uh. Number one, salvation hadn't been paid for yet. He couldn't go preach salvation because it hadn't been paid for yet. Till he ascended up after his resurrection, put his blood on that mercy seat, there was no salvation paid for. When he done that, said he obtained eternal redemption for me and you. And then he died unto sin, died one time. Don't ever have to die again. He died one time and destroyed sin. Destroyed sin. Y'all hear me? He abolished death. Second Timothy. I believe I got it right this time. I hope y'all can receive this. Somewhere the Lord's going to get me to the place I don't have to agonize to be able to preach this like I want to preach it. And the reason I agonize so much is I want people to receive it and I know religion's going to keep some folks from receiving it. And that hurts my heart because this brings total victory. Can you imagine somebody loving you enough they're willing to go to a devil's hell and suffer and pay for your sins? So much Jesus loves us that he was willing to go. There was no sin in him. He didn't go because of something he'd done. He went because of what we'd done. But he loved us enough that he paid with his own soul. Paid with his body, his blood, and his soul. Any of y'all believe that Jesus walked this earth as a man? Y'all believe he had a soul? Y'all believe that? Well, let me tell you something. When he was reborn, he didn't come out of living soul. He came out of quickening spirit. Because the Bible said, first man Adam was living soul. Second man Adam was made a living, was made a quickening spirit. First man Adam, living soul. Second man Adam was made. A, when was he made a quickening spirit? When he was born out of hell. Because if he had been on this earth walking as a man, he wouldn't have had a quickening spirit. 
But see, that's what's fixing to get in us. That's what's fixing to get in us and quicken us and make us alive is the spirit of him that became a quickening spirit. Oh, my God, are y'all with me tonight? <laughs> it's a lot of Scripture. It's a lot to digest. But if you don't understand it, don't fall out with me. Don't get upset with me. Just put it up on the shelf. Because I'm preaching this to you so you will know what kind of power can live in you. I'm not going to dwell on this. I'm moving on to other things. But I felt led to have this revival to teach about the kingdom of God. Because this is the kingdom. This is what brought the power of the kingdom. This is what brings dominion. I believe this is what I saw when I stood on the edge of space Monday and looked out there. I believe I saw this dominion and authority. I believe it. Last night, and the Spirit of the Lord fell on her. She said she saw something like angels' wings. Did you see the angel or just the wings? Huge wings. And people that was coming in the house of God and causing confusion and going to come cause upsetness, them angel wings just went over them and like it smothered them and silenced them. And God said, I'm fixing to... God told her, he said, I'm fixing to put things to silent in my house. People ain't going to come in and disrupt my house anymore. They ain't going to come in with the wrong spirit. They ain't going to come in because the Spirit of God's going to snuff them out. She said, it like the, those wings come over and snuffed them out like a candle. God put them to silence. It's time for demonstration. How many of y'all know it's time for demonstration? That's what caused people to believe in Jesus was the miracles and the deliverance and the demonstration. That's what caused them to come to the apostles. You imagine the Spirit of God living in a man so strong that they knew he was coming back into town and they said, where's he coming from? What time of day is he coming? And they found what time of day, where Peter was coming from, which way the sun was going to shine on him, which way a shadow was going to fall, and they'd line people up on beds and couches, and Peter just walking by him, his shadow would heal them. They'd get up made whole. That was Book of Acts, church. We're fixing to get something greater. I'm telling you, we're fixing to get something greater. They had the former rain. We're fixing to get the latter rain. Young man used to go to my church. Had a dream. You remember Brother David? He had a dream several years ago that me and him was walking down the streets of Jerusalem. And I was there preaching the gospel. Hard place to preach the gospel in Jerusalem. Because <laughs> everybody believes the Jewish law. But he said, me and him was in there. And he said, I was walking the streets of Jerusalem. said, my shadow was healing the sick and raising the dead. That had been 10 years ago, or right in there. But see, I believe. I believe. Because the Lord spoke to me years ago about Him healing the sick by my shadow. And it happened. God demonstrated it. I had a lady heal rheumatoid arthritis. It took God 20 minutes to persuade me. Because <laughs> the Lord told me I was under my tent. I down there at Sister Daniels in Twin City. I was under my tent. I had the big floodlights on my center poles shine down where I prayed for people. 
And I was praying for people, and I got this one lady, and she just all stove up with rheumatoid crippling arthritis. I started praying for her, and the Lord said, don't. I said, said ma'am, you stand right there. I'll be right back. So I went to the next person. I prayed for them. God healed them. And the Lord said, you go back. And said, let your shadow fall on her. And I'm going to heal her. I told God, I said, no, well, my shadow you ain't. <laughs> scared me. I mean, God scared me. And I said, you ain't doing it in my shadow. And so, I was going on praying for people. Me and the Lord's having this conversation. And I'd run out of folks to pray for. That little lady standing back up there by that center pole waiting for me to come back to her. And I was running out of folks to pray for, says Kathy. And I told the Lord, I said, I said, I can't do that. He, I said, I don't have what Peter had. He said, how do you know except you try? So me and God, about ten minutes, we went through this thing in the Spirit. Just, He said, do you believe I was in Peter? I said, I know you was. He said, do you believe I'm in you? I said, I know you are in a measure. He said, well... He said, that wasn't Peter's shadow. That was my shadow. He said, I just barred his body. I said, well, why didn't you say so in the first place? And I just walked back up there, got right up next to the lady, let my shadow fall on her, raised my hands, didn't touch her. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed. And boom, the Spirit of God hit her. And them arms started coming out. And I heard joints and stuff popping. And she started shouting and praising God. So you don't know what God will do with us. If we believe, it ain't you. Your shadow can't do it. But if he's in here, it ain't your shadow. It's his shadow. He just barring your physical body. Amen. We headed somewhere, children. We headed somewhere. Amen. I hope y'all enjoyed this word tonight. I really hope y'all enjoyed this word tonight. Hallelujah. Second Timothy, thank you. We'll do uh, eighth verse, first chapter. Second Timothy, chapter one, eighth verse. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God. See, Paul talked about afflictions that brought the power of God. We don't want to suffer nothing. We want to live this big, exalted, everybody looks up to us life. I don't find that nowhere. Paul said, I was defamed. I was counted as the off-scouring of the earth. He said, didn't nobody talk well of me? He said, my name was mud. <laughs> my reputation was ruined. He said, I was God's prisoner. And I went through affliction, but it brought the power of God. who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Y'all see that? We got something that God's already given us. We just got to be faithful. But it's now made manifesting by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. He abolished spiritual death. And has brought life and immortality to light 
through the gospel. He abol Jesus abolished spiritual death. He is a man abolished sin in the flesh. He conquered it as a man. But then he turned around and abolished death. So you don't have to fear dying. He said, I'm he that was dead, and I'm alive, and I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and death. Amen. He's got them. He's been reborn. He fixing to get in here, and we're going to be reborn. Because <laughs> he that controls and rules and all things lives right here. Are y'all ready? You ready to go somewhere? We're going somewhere. I'm telling you, we're going somewhere. So we're going to take one act of God. One act of God. They're going to put this place on the maps, this path. One act of God. It's been about a year now, might have been two, I don't remember. But there have been several people had dreams that I was in Fort Payne preaching and cars were everywhere. Last person had a dream was Sister Pat's husband, Brother Billy. He said they brought somebody in the church like a paraplegic, just twisted and deformed, and, and said, I prayed a prayer of faith for him, and God healed him. He said, Word got out. And said, You ain't never seen people in your life. He said, People was parked everywhere, standing to the road. And he said, There was cars two miles in every direction trying to get to the church. So I'm going to take one notable miracle. One act of God. God's fixing to do it. He just wants us to be ready. He just wants us to be ready that He can move in here. This is His temple. This is His body. Everything I preach to you, He done willingly to destroy the works of Satan out of your life that you would not have to pay this price. He tasted death for all men that you wouldn't have to go there. Amen. For God so loved. For God so loved that He gave. God was willing to give His Son Jesus to go pay the price He paid. Oh, it's bad enough He died on the cross. It's bad enough He went through the crown of thorns and the beating and the, the crucifixion. That's bad enough. But then for His soul to go through what His soul went through, that's how much God loves us. For God so loved. That's a lot of love. Ain't none of y'all willing to make that sacrifice? You look around at your kids. You willing to sacrifice one of your kids? I don't know that I could. But Abraham believed God enough, he was ready. He took Isaac up there and tied him on that altar. And you know why he tied him on that altar and was ready to put that knife to his throat? Because God had made him a promise. In Isaac shall thy seed be called. So Abraham said, God, if you tell me to kill him, not kill him, you've got to raise him up. You've got to raise him from the dead. Abraham was the father of your faith. He's the first to believe in the forgiveness of sins. First to believe in the raising of the dead. And first to believe in the healing of the sick. He's the father of your faith. That's what the Word says. Any of y'all ever call Abraham the father of faith? Been taught? He is. He saw the sick healed. God imputed not his sins unto Abraham, took them away from him. 
And Abraham believed God to raise the dead. Three things we believe in the gospel. Forgiveness of sin, healing the sick, and raising the dead. Amen. Don't you love him? Don't you love him? Man, to me this has been good. Hallelujah. And I feel good. Man, I got some strength tonight. I'm ready to kick the devil down the road. Must have been. Boy, that, I tell you, that possum must have ate a lot of chicken, Sister Pat, because it tastes a lot like chicken. Yeah. But that was one more good casserole. And them green beans, too. <laughs> we'll tell you about it, Sister Susie. Is anybody here, you need me to pray the prayer of faith for you tonight. If you do, come on right now. I'm excited about what God's doing. Man, this just fires my soul up to get y'all to receive this and get it in your spirit. Because this really gets in you. devil won't mess with you. He can't mess with you because he knows he's defeated. He can't mess with you, Sister Kathy. He knows his place. He knows his place. He knows where he belongs. That's under your feet. That's where God cursed him. That's where God put him. That's where he's got to stay. Anybody need prayer? Did you enjoy this? Hallelujah. Y'all remember Sunday, we're going to have baptizing after service. We're going to roll right down here to the baptizing hole. Man, it's been a long time since I waded in a creek to baptize, but I'm looking forward to it. It had been a long time since I weighed out in the creek to baptize folks. I can't even remember. I think last time I weighed out in the creek to baptize folks was in Dalton way back in the 80s. The rest of them I've dunked in a trough. And I could stand on the outside. i got to get in the water with them. That's all right. I'm going to tell you, I got in the water with some folks up in Canada, just below Alaska, off the Pacific Ocean. One night. Baptism was in a church, but they brought the water in from the Pacific Ocean. They told me they'd warmed it up. I got in that water. It felt like it was 50 degrees. I baptized 30 people in about five minutes. <laughs> I was freezing to death. I mean, as quick as I get them, I put them under. Kind of like I baptized them two young ladies, old Brother Patterson. I, I can't remember what year it was, probably 96. I was preaching over in, or 97, I was preaching over in January. Two young ladies, about 15 years old, repented. And Brother Patterson had a horse trough like I do outside, and we had to break the ice to baptize them. I, I rolled my shirt sleeves up after preaching, and I was soaking wet. Went out in 26-degree weather. And I think it was spitting snow. And I baptized that one young lady. And she come out of the baptistry. I baptized the second one. She come up shouting and praising God. And I just reached over and picked her up and said, out of the baptistry. I said, honey, you can shout inside. I said, it's cold out here. <laughs> and I don't think God minded one bit. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to Sunday. Brother Philip and Sister Melissa are going to get baptized. And any of the rest of y'all want to get baptized or want to make a rededication? Oh, if you don't mind, you're just one. Bring some clothes. Help me baptize. And I could use one of you ladies because 
my wife didn't bring anything that she, you know, baptized in. So, if y'all, one of you ladies would help me. Can you wait in there barefooted, Sister Pat? Okay, because I don't have any shoes to wait in the water. I'll just I'll wear my blue jeans, change into them, and I'll wait in there barefoot. It's been a while. Slick. Yeah. I'll, I'll get me a pair of flip-flops here. Okay. Y'all tell us what we need. Nobody needs prayer. Uh-huh. We'll get it done. Besides, if I slip down, I'll just baptize myself and get back up. Amen. It'll be all right. Have you enjoyed this word? It's been good. I'm going to ask you to help us in the offering. And do your best. Do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Because I'm not bringing you leftovers. This word's fresh. It's alive. It's real. Hallelujah. And I know God's going to do what He said He's going to do. And I need some help building this church up here. I'm excited about it. Anybody excited about it? I'm excited about it. Hallelujah. I'm telling y'all something fixing to happen. We're going to fill this place up. Sister Pat's going to run it over. I feel it. 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 Will you stand? Come do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. You got something for the church? Put it over here in the church bucket. You got something you want to help me with? Put it over here on my left-hand side in the pastor bucket. But come obey the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God's good. Can y'all say God's good? All the time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to the Lord. Come on, right now. Everybody do what's right. In God's eyes. Love you, son. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jesus. But Terrell, I'm glad you come in these meetings. I really am. Bless you, man. Thank you, Lord. I was hoping Sister Paul should be back tonight. I believe this word would have really gotten her spirit. Okay. Tell people about this. We got Saturday night and Sunday. And I'm going to tell you what this lays a foundation for. The baptism of his death. There's a baptism coming. And I ain't never got in this baptism of his death. Like I've been wanting to preach this for a year. And every time I go to preach, it's like God puts the brakes on. I'm hoping God will let me preach it either tomorrow night or Sunday. Because I think God wants to take us somewhere. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you love him? Anyone else? Let's ask God to bless this. Father, in the name of Jesus, God bless it. Let it meet the needs, Master. You know what you want us to do. You know what you've commissioned and ordained us to do, God. I believe everything that's fixing to happen up here was ordained from the foundation of the world. I believe it, Father. And I ask for your grace and your strength. Bless the givers. In Jesus' name, we ask it to be so, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, Susie, I'm going to let you just come testify and dismiss for us, if you would. Hallelujah. Where's the mic? Which one? Okay. Thank you, Lord. I don't know how to turn these things on.
God bless y'all. I love you. See y'all tomorrow. Amen. How many enjoyed the service tonight? I have to be honest and say he got a little above my pay grade tonight. A little above my uh, <laughs> my understanding. I'd been rooting for him all week long, and I, I had to be over there sitting and writing and studying, and, and I'll be up all night tonight now looking and reading, digging and finding. Ain't that what we're supposed to do, though? I mean, we don't come to church just to shout. We come to church to learn. Is that right? And if you already know what's being preached and being taught here this week, then what you need to do is you need to get behind, amen, get behind the preacher. And I, and I'm, I don't very seldom ever hear an amen. Is that just a Baptist thing? Does Pentecostal folks say amen? Yes. I mean, that's right. Nobody, just baptize them tonight, brother. Maybe y'all got to walk outside, walk outside, right? No, seriously, I'm serious. That's what amen means. It means I'm in agreement. Let it be so. It says I'm agreeing with what's being said. And what has Brother Matter been preaching up here at this church? That we need to be unified. Come into a unity. Same mind. Same place. Same heart. Amen? So if, you're, if you know the Word and you agree with the Word, it ain't going to hinder him to say, Amen. <laughs> I can't help myself. But I want to tell you, if you get above my pay grade, you know what I'll be doing? Writing and reading, writing and reading, jotting some stuff down so I can go back and I can find it. For Not that I don't trust Brother Metter, it ain't that at all. But I've heard him say, read with me, study with me, find this stuff out. And you know what makes it concrete in my soul? If I hear something that I'm not familiar with, do you hear what I said? Not familiar, not something I'm wanting to argue about, just something I'm not familiar with yet. Then you know what I do? I go and I find it. <laughs> Amen. If I'm hungry and somebody says a good buffet's over there, you know what I'm going to do? Find it. I like what Sister Patterson said one time. She said, if you want to seek God, you need to do it just like this. She said, I'm a big Starbucks fan. And when I go into a town to minister, I seek out the Starbucks. <laughs> and every, and I, I've just always remembered that. Because really and truly, if we seek God, that means we search Him out. We don't stop. Just like that little woman in Songs of Solomon, I sought Him whom my soul loveth. She was even abused, but it didn't stop her. Is that right? So tonight, we're going to uh, be dismissed. I think I, it's quit raining now. We're going to be dismissed and we're going to take this word because you can't tell me all the word that was given tonight, you understood every bit of it. Okay? I ain't even going to look at y'all because don't you lie to me. <laughs> there is too much word given tonight that for every one of us to understood everything. So you know what we need to do now? Go home and be diligent in our search for Him. Amen. And then come back tomorrow night ready to receive all over again. I'm going to say you go and be blessed in Jesus' name.